Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and beaches vacation.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's talk about Riverside.fm, the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record content. Riverside.fm allows you to record studio quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a thousand miles away and it'll sound like you're sitting in the same room. It's as easy to use as Zoom, but gives much higher quality audio and video recordings. Did we mention that they have a mobile app? This allows guests to connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for a hero platform for all your recording needs, from podcasts to webinars to other video content, you should be using Riverside FM. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside FM. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive a 30% discount on your first three months of your subscription. That's promo code SHIPIT to receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. Back to the show. Welcome to another episode of the Giant Take Podcast. I'm Josh and I'm joined by my co-host Alex. It's now been a few days uh, since the Giants Fan Fest. A few days. It's been almost a week uh, since the Giants Fan Fest. And we got a bunch of news to cover in this intro. And as you can tell, I guess the timing isn't the best, but it's also still fantasy football season coming up. And we do uh, have some people that have come onto the podcast before that have been really nice to us uh, and our end is friends of ours. And that's Ian Harditz, as you can tell from the title of this episode. We have an interview with him and uh, we're we're really excited to talk with him. It's not happened yet. So just as you're listening, we're recording, I guess you could say, uh, with with how the interview was set up. So um I guess, uh, yeah, we're really excited to talk with him. As you can tell, that, that'll that be after this intro. But we have a lot of giant stuff to talk about. But first of all, Alex, my friend, it's been a while since we've seen each other. Almost a week. I guess that's a while. I don't know. We have have gone on patches where it's been like almost a month or two. And you would think that it's been sooner. But like not in person we see each other because we're recording this podcast and we think that's enough uh, contact with each other. But anyway, Alex, how are you? I'm good. I just wanted to clear it up for the listeners. We are not going to be recording the interview while you're listening. Um, it's not like it's a live interview. <laughs> we are recording it right after this intro, uh, I think is what Josh meant to say, but he made it sound like it's some sort of live stream, um, which it is not. And uh, uh, I'm doing good. I'm just excited to be here. Obviously, lots of stuff to talk about with the Giants. You know, we had uh, things going on today when we're recording this Tuesday with the Dave Gettleman press conference, the John Mara press conference with everyone in the world having their press conference. Uh, you know, we had all the, the cuts today or like the final cuts 
lots of injuries. From Don't the say the pre- final cuts because it was like five players. The Maybe final, the the final first cut, if that makes any sense. Yeah, before uh, the actual cuts happened later. Yes. In, later in uh, preseason training camp. Yes. There you go. So we got a lot of tidbits from the press conferences. We got a lot of tidbits about the injuries for certain players that participated in the Jets game. Obviously, Giants losing twelve to seven to the Jets. Um, wouldn't Bad take game two- to watch too. One of the most boring, if not the most boring game of football I've ever watched in my life. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I, you know, that might be a, <laughs> a big, big take, a giant take. <laughs> um, <laughs> subscribe. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was an awful game of football on um, both sides. It was. Just, it was boring. Clayton Thorson, I'm not going to lie. I'm very happy that he's not the injury that probably <laughs> most likely led him to get off the team because I think we were going to cut him anyway. I have to say the injury helped, but I'm very happy he's off our football team. And I tweeted out, I was like, he's the third quarterback and this is supposed to be like fun and funny that he's playing. And he was pissing me off, like full on upsetting me with how bad some of these throws were. <laughs> so I'm glad that Thorson is not on the team anymore. Um, we brought in a new quarterback that I guess we should just talk about now to get one of the things out of the way here that the Giants signed Brian Lewark, uh to replace Clayton Thorson. He's played on the New England Patriots, I believe, and uh, has some experience with Joe Judge. So they brought him in. And then, Alex, you were mentioning a few players got injured during the preseason game. Joshua Kalu was one of them, and also Kyle Murphy uh, was one of them. Both players are Basically done for the season as safety Josh, uh, Joshua Kalou suffered a torn pectoral muscle uh, and he's going to be on IR for a while. And I know Murphy's season is over, unfortunately, as he goes to injury reserve with an ankle injury. Uh, and then also Jaron Williams, the Giants cornerback, I want to say, uh, quad injury and he's on the IR as well. I'm sorry. I think it's Jaron Williams as a cornerback. Alex, can you confirm or deny that? Uh, yes, Jaron Williams is a cornerback. Yes. And, and with the, with that, those four guys obviously bring it down, uh, to 86. And then obviously there was two more cuts today too, which I'll get to now. Cause it kind of relates. Um, they cut Alfred Morris, kind of a big shock there, um, that he was cut, but I guess there's a lot of running backs. More ahead of a of big him shock, and- big shock to you. Let's be honest. Yeah. I thought he was going to more make of a the- big shock to me. I um, said he wasn't in my roster. I I'm just saying. And uh, and Chris Milton, the cornerback, uh, was also cut. Not big deal there. And so that actually takes us down to 84, unless one of these guys is not on the IR. Um, I don't – obviously, Brunson, Kalu, Williams, I know we're all in the IR. Murphy's on the IR. So I guess we're down to 84 players. Ted Larson. Uh, Ted Larson, right, who we brought in. So now that makes it 85. Um, so you, go. uh, you got yeah. it. That, that all little, works out. You need a little push to, to figure it out, but you got there. I got there. And also um, with uh, the first, well, we'll talk about the first trade of the day um, or yesterday. Actually, this trade happened. The Giants traded for Keon Crossan from the Texans in exchange for a 2023 sixth round pick. Um, when we originally saw the trade, it was like, oh, my God, we just traded a pick for a special teams player. Um, kind of like a Nate Ebner replacement is what we originally thought, or at least we on the Giants community on Twitter. Uh, and then we saw today, uh, we'll get to this in the second, uh, Isaac Yadam was traded. And we're like, oh, this makes sense. Cornerback for a cornerback. You know, maybe that's it. But then we find out who we got in re- return. It's another cornerback, Josh Jackson, former second round pick. And it was uh, all all kind of came together that we still, you know, gave up a, sec- a six round pick for this guy. Um, he played with Joe Judge uh, for one season before moving to the Texans, was good on special teams, and that's uh, obviously what he's going to be doing mainly for this Giants uh, special teams unit. In terms of the trade, I don't really care. Six-round picks, not that big of a deal. 2023-6, I, I don't really mind it, but I think the main thing we have to talk about here, I know I mentioned it a little bit, but today is our Isaac Yada Memorial episode. No, he did not die, but it's like he he... He left our hearts and it's just really sad that, you know, we had, we kind of had our guy here on the podcast and then he was traded and uh, now we're going to have to find someone new to pick on. And it's, it's really, uh, it's really sad. I'm tearing up as we speak. I'm sure we'll find one sooner than later, Alex. Um, I'm sure. Responding to those trades. I think that um, 
we're loading up at the cornerback position. We're getting those lockdown corners, baby. I, I just think that um, it, it's interesting. I'm happy that Yannam's gone. I mean, let's be honest, Alex. I know it's like, you know, we have the whole joke and it's funny and it's, you know, it's sad, but it's also funny. I, th- I think it's still pretty funny that he's gone. I'm, I'm I, sorry. What I would say, to be fair, is toward, you know, in the beginning of when he first started playing last season, he was absolutely tragic. He started improving throughout the end. And towards the end of the season, he actually started to become a little bit solid. And in the preseason game, I was, you know, in the notes I have here, Isaac Yadam had multiple nice uh, coverage, uh, big plays in coverage uh, that were quite nice. I get it's preseason, but it looked like he was kind of picking up his game. Uh, so I was kind of upset after that. But um, talking about the two players, uh, I'm going to go in reverse order here. Josh Jackson, uh, second round pick, 45th overall in that 2018 draft uh, from the or by the Green Bay Packers. He's 25, uh, and he is six foot, 196 pounds. He played in 16 games in his rookie season, started 10 of them, uh, and then he played as a backup mainly uh, in his second season and his third season. He started five games uh, and played in 12. So he has a career of 15 games started, 42 games played. Uh, He he recovered one fumble, and that's pretty much it. He had a couple tackles for losses. He had a... Nice bit of tackles. 86 tackles in general. 86 combo tackles. Did he really do anything crazy? No. Is he good? Did Isaac Yonam do anything really crazy, though? Did Isaac Yonam do anything crazy? No. So to be fair, I think this is a fair trade. We'll see what Josh Jackson does. Um, But yeah, I don't don't think it's a big deal. And when we uh, look at... uh, um, Oh my God, what's his name now? Uh, The... Texans player who came in, Josh, you need to remind me of the name now. <laughs> um, the name of the, t- <laughs> the the name of the Texas player you mean we were just talking about like a second ago? Yep. You know, uh, that guy, Josh Jackson. Nope, that's the other one. Nope. That's the one we definitely <laughs> um uh Keon Crossing. Yeah, Keon yeah, Crossing. Keon Crossing, the big yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. we knew him. Um, right. He's our, you know, new favorite player. But Might have to cut um, that out. You know what? Just keep yeah. it in. Just keep it in. <laughs> keep, keep it in. Um, Keon Crossan, he's played 43 games in his career, was seventh-round pick by the Patriots, 243rd overall, almost Mr. Irrelevant. Um, and he played uh, uh, 16 games in his second season, was a player off the bench, and started four games uh, in 2020 for Houston uh, as the emergency services come by. Uh, to check to make sure all Giants fans are okay. (laughs) Was that a scream in the background? Is everything all right there? (laughs) That that was the ambulance coming by. They're trying to rescue me from having a heart attack looking at this this guy's stats where he did (laughs) quite literally nothing. All right. Pointless trades. It got the job done. Whatever Cho Judge thought these cornerbacks were needed for, we'll we'll have to see as the season progresses. Going back to Ted Larson, uh, this is good. This brings depth to the offensive line position. Hopefully he doesn't get cut like... Um, a few other players or retires, I think is the, is the big word. Hopefully he doesn't retire because he is a bit up there in the age side of things. But 88 NFL starts can play center or guard. So I think this is a, a, a good signing. His name is very close to Ted Lasso. So I like that as well because it's a great show. Um, so I guess that works out as well. Uh, 34 years old. He was picked in the sixth round of the 2010 NFL draft. So he's been in the... He's been in the league for a while. He's bounced around between teams. Tampa. Uh, oh, no, not Tampa. What uh, What teams here? Arizona, Chicago, Miami, and back to Chicago in 2019. What is TAM? That's Tampa. Uh, that's Tampa, yeah. the He was at the Bucks for the first four years, then Arizona for two years, Chicago for a year, Miami for two years, and then back to Chicago. And he has not played since 2019, though. So that is something to uh, consider. <laughs> There was also Giants Media Day, as I call it. Dave Gettleman, John Mara had their press conferences. Uh, as you know, Dave Gettleman. He's as healthy as a horse. He's as healthy as a horse. As a horse. He's as healthy as a horse. He reminded you. He reminded Jordan Ronan once again today that he is very healthy, and he did look good in the clip. I'm not gonna lie. He did look Dave good. Gettleman looking looking nice. <laughs> okay, not, don't. Now you just made it. Weird. Nope. Now I made it sound weird. He looked good. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. He's a sexy man. Anyway, he looked healthy. 
Yes. Moving on. That's what. That's the word I was like. He looks not healthy. sexy. Healthy. Yep, that, Giants right. roster is over ninety percent vaccinated. I'm just skipping right through that. According to John Mara, which is a good thing. Every Giants staff member is fully vaccinated. Mara did actually include that he wishes the NFL didn't, I think, make um, make vaccinations mandatory 100% in order for players to play, which is an interesting thing and hopefully doesn't break up the locker room because there are some people who are very pro not getting it. So hopefully that doesn't do anything too crazy. Giants are also going to have a joint practice with the Patriots. We get to see Bill Belichick and Joe Judge reunite. Exciting stuff. Patrick Graham as well is thrown in there. And then the NFL top 100, the 50 through ones have not been, you know, the players have not been included yet. Is there a few giants in there? Maybe, but I feel like our top two are here. Leonard Williams was 84 on the list. James Bradbury was 74. Go ahead, Alex. It might be Saquon if they include him, but I'm not I sure. I was going to say that, but it's, if it's, it's injuries, I no, don't know. It's, it's this past year, so no, he, he oh no, he won't involved. be included. So maybe Blake Martinez or Jabril Peppers is the only guys I would think of. Yeah, is that all for the intro? I think we're good. We knocked out yeah. everything, Alex, and we did real quick. We're that Dang. good. We're that good. All right, let's send it over to the interview uh, right now. Uh, enjoy it. All right, we are now welcoming onto the podcast Ian Harditz. He's an NFL and fantasy football writer for PFF, and you can also catch him on the PFF Fantasy Podcast Daily. Ian, the last time we talked, um, you were in a different role, and now I was going to say, like, I was going to start off with the question saying, how has your new role been with PFF? But it's not really new, because we talked, like, over a year ago, last June. So I guess, how has it been with PFF? How's it going? been good yeah i'm not sure if i talked to you guys when i was at pff yet or am i still been with rotor world but been bumping around a bit over the uh past few years happy to be committed to uh pff here for at least the next three and hopefully more in the more in the future so uh one thing i really you know i know pff people like to try to dunk on us on, on twitter from time to time and certainly our social walks us uh into plenty of it i would just say you know for some of the haters out there like you know, we're just trying to give good football information like anyone else. So if you say, you know, PFF is sucks relative to Yahoo or ESPN, like, okay, then there's apparently someone better that we can uh, strive to be. But I think a lot of it is just like, oh, you know, PFF sucks. And they leave it at that, not really kind of considering uh, how everyone else is doing. So it's all good. And I think when you're, you know, going for the top, you got a lot of people uh, coming at you at mean things to say, but just do my job day in, day out, grinding uh, fantasy, grinding NFL, and here we are. So good to uh, talk to you guys again. I'm just happy everyone's getting back to the swing of things, guys. I know just, I know it's just preseason uh, so far, but I enjoyed uh, going back through it, and it beats the hell out of uh, not having preseason football like we had in uh, August last year. I do have to make a confession. I think I may have been one of those PFF people who – uh, have made a few comments. I've also supported them in a few instances, there but some of some of not your fantasy related content. Obviously, that's <laughs> brilliant. Uh, but some of the rankings for certain players, particularly relating to Saquon Barkley, I've had some problems with, um, and I've gotten somewhat animated. So <laughs> I, I will I will admit that. But yeah, uh, eh, you know, PFF. We we've had some issues sometimes, but in general, I think we have a positive relationship with PFF, right, Josh? Yeah, I, I was going to say, Alex, what list was it? It was like either a top running backs or a top 100. Uh, it was one of those. It was like the top 50 or top 100 players or something. And Saquon was just so low behind like <laughs> Zeke and other players. And I was just screaming. I think it was like 31 or something. Yeah. Alex also is a little extreme. It was a... It was funny. I did like a quarterback rankings column last year and I wasn't enough on the same page with those social guys I should have been. So like they would just tweet out, you know, like Ian, Ian Hart's quarterback rankings for week four. That's it. Wasn't even from the fantasy account and people were just slamming me. It's like, how the hell is Aaron Rodgers not top five? And it's like, well, you know, it's actually a complete fantasy is a completely different thing in real life, which you wouldn't know if we didn't bring that up. So it's all good. But yeah, I mean, look, all, all, all I'm saying is like at the end of the day, like let's just talk ball. So if you have a problem with the list, 
absolutely bring up your good reasons just uh you know maybe save the uh go kill yourself and die type of uh <laughs> response like I, that's what i always say i mean not, i'm I think a lot of times it's almost, uh, you know, the nastiness on Twitter is almost overstated. Like 99% of my uh, DMs and ads are always just great. It's people I want to talk football, which I'm uh, always down for myself. Uh, so, yeah, just the more uh, positivity, I guess, we can spread, the better would be my only uh, recommendation. Yeah, the, the Twitter community especially, I'm sure you're alluding to that, is the most toxic social media <laughs> place ever i mean that that and reddit if you i don't know if you've been on reddit those are the top two but twitter especially there are the people that that is their life they have nothing it seems like they really have no day job that they just go on twitter just to either mess with you or to get a reaction out of you or to troll or to ratio you know that's that's been a thing now too like ratioing you know ratioing i don't even know if that's the right term someone uh, getting more likes whatever it is but yeah we've we've definitely had those interactions we had a thing with um i don't know if you know who lpg is he's like the leader of the giants fandom he's a he collects license plates uh like of new york giants nice. stuff so it'll be like nyg1 or something and we went to their the, the pregame thing to the giants fan fest and he did like a little, you know, call, react, whatever, like pumped up the Giants fans. We did like a huddle around him and he was like saying, you know, we're going to say one thing and it's going to be playoffs, playoffs on three, one, two, whatever. And like everyone was like retweeting, like pathetic. This is bullshit. Like I was like, OK, don't, you know, and he was saying like he was saying F those people in Philly or like we, we need to beat those people in Philly. And someone retweeted and said they're still worried about the thing in Philly. Well, yeah, they put in Nate Sudfeld to not have us go to the playoffs. <laughs> Obviously, we're still mad at Philly. It's like those people that are so like they're so like oblivious to me where it's like, come on. Obviously, we're going to first of all, there are NFC East rivals. They bounced us out of the playoffs last year. And, you know, it, like, I don't understand why wouldn't we be mad at Philly? So it's like those comments that get me so worked up. I mean, sure, but let's not pretend like the 2020 Giants had any business being in that playoff discussion <laughs> either. So it was almost a shame that, you know, there had to be a winner uh, as it was. But we'll see what happens. I think, uh, you know. 2020 team maybe some more signs for optimism based on just positive just regression because i can't really think of uh too much else but uh we'll see what's going i hope i haven't pissed off uh too many of the giants faithful out there with my constant <laughs> use of the uh jason garrett train picture but you know it's just funny i wish uh the organization did a better job putting the team uh, in a position to succeed that's what it comes down to man i uh, you know, going back to my roots, if you had to ask me, I am a Cowboys mm -hmm. fan. I grew up yeah. once, so maybe this is just me, my uh, subconscious <sighs> better. But you know, when, when you got to work in the industry, you really are forced to be uh, more objective. So to me, like, look, I watch every single game of the week. I would love for Daniel Jones to turn into a perennial all pro because football is so much better when there are great quarterbacks uh, out there all around the league. It's just uh, a matter of trying to figure out, is that what I think or not? So I, I can tell you, I will not uh, shit on Daniel Jones as much as I usually do with Sam Darnold and some of these other guys. So at least we got that going for us. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like looking at the comments on that Twitter post that Josh is mentioning and like, people are like weirdos. I'm like, okay, did, like, why are you wasting your time commenting weirdos? And then someone says bunch of Muppets. I'm like, okay, this is like, like, I don't, <laughs> like, I don't I, I get it. a good quote. It was a uh, don't take criticism from people you wouldn't take advice from. So I try to. That is true. That it. is true. Yeah. I, I, you're, <laughs> you're full of the motivational quotes, too, because I was looking at your your uh, what is it? Your bio on PFF, too. It's the great day to be great. That's a good one too. Are, yeah, are you, every other pile is like, oh, I went to this college or I ranked this in the ranking competition. And I was, I don't know, man. I, you know, like I remember coming out of high school, you try to get into college and, you know, your ACT or SAT is like 90% of what matters. And then after that, your GPA. Like, I'm tired of like one number or one freaking, you know, I went to a really good college too, but like, I don't want people to say like, oh, he's smart because of the college he went to. Like, just look at my work. I produce podcasts, articles every single day. Like judge me on that. So the, the, you know, the motivation stuff, I certainly think helps. And, uh, you know, maybe it's a little corny sometimes, uh, mm. the, the amount I'm going with it. But at the end of the day, I just think, uh, you know, the more you can focus on yourself and, uh, not really, you know, worry about just what others are, you know, if you keep your goals in line, you just make uh, yourself the best. I think everything else kind of falls into place. So that's, uh, you know, hopefully the motivational stuff helps a person here or there, but that's just <laughs> how I think you should be doing in uh, all weeks of life. 
Yeah, I always, I'm always one of those people uh, who kind of like just has a closed mindset and I just look at myself and, you know, don't really, <laughs> for good or for worse, right? Because sometimes there is outside criticism that you need to take in, right? That, you know, the, you know, you get some feedback that actually could help you improve. Yeah. So you can't just like completely ignore everyone. Um, so winners, sometimes- uh, I got another one. Winners focus on winning, losers focus on winners. That's true. That is another good one. Stolen, just- <laughs> stolen from the notorious one, Conor McGregor, who is not in the good news. But you know what? The guy achieved a lot. And that's another thing. I hate how much we try to tear down people. Quit saying any professional football player sucks. Like the worst player in the NFL is still freaking incredible because it's a hard game and there's only 20 good, you know, 20, 25 actually relatively good uh, real-life quarterbacks doesn't mean that these other guys are bad. But Lamar Jackson's a running back. Just so much slander goes on, guys. You <laughs> focus on the uh, goal at hand and what's actually happening in reality sometimes. That reminds me back to when ESPN did the uh, thing. I don't know if it was like with the Super Bowl or whatever it was, where they took people who tweeted out about kickers and how, oh, this guy didn't make a kick, brought them to a, a field. And had you know, just watch them shank kick after kick. Um, <laughs> that's different though, because kickers are like half breeds that shouldn't even be in the game uh, to begin with. But that's a story for another day. That's true. <laughs> I wanted to start out by asking you. Um, I don't know if this is your idea. You know, you were told to write these articles. You've been focusing on worst case scenarios for top talents uh, in the NFL and top players, fantasy wise. It, was this your choice? Like, why is this? Yeah, no. I mean, I always come come my own article ideas for the last yeah. 10 years or so. I mean, it's just, uh, we spend so much time uh, talking about how optimistic we are about everyone, which is good. You know, I said five minutes ago, we should be more optimistic in this industry. But when it comes down to like really taking a stand on players, I think we get in trouble sometimes by only considering the uh, good scenarios. I mean, look at the tight end conversations we were having late round guys a week ago. And look how many of those, you know, fairy tales that we create in our minds have just crashed and burned after one preseason game of first uh, team usage. So I just think uh, as someone that, I feel like I could probably make a like quality 45 second highlight of almost like any player in the league. You can always find a stat that like hypes, you know, even a decent player up a little bit. Like there's so many avenues to hyping guys up that I think we see people really rely on that sometimes. And we do need to consider the second side of things. So, you know, for some players in the study, it was uh, much harder than others. Like, you know, your Hopkins, your Diggs, your Adams of the world. Like if you stay healthy and you get 150 plus targets, it is so hard to bust, particularly when they're coming from a pretty damn good QB like a lot of those guys have. So uh, the one tricky part, because, you know, I'm social gets tweeted out and people say, what a dumb idea. They just get hurt. No, I put that qualifier in there. I don't just say this guy could get hurt because that's the other thing that a lot of people uh, just throw out there without much, uh, you know, scientific backing. So I've always maintained, you know, if the worst thing you can say about a guy is like, oh, he's going to get hurt when he's not already hurt, then maybe you should rethink your stance on that guy. Like that's why no one's on Raheem Mostert this year. They say, oh, he'll, he'll get hurt by week five. Like, oh, you, you, uh, you know, you, a, a learning doctor really knows that or something like it's just insane to me the way we kind of take these uh, leaps sometimes. But yeah, so with the worst case stuff, mostly just using the regression word a lot, just looking at guys that maybe won't be as good next year, potential workload issues. And yeah, I just think, again, it forces you to really consider the whole picture. And, you know, I come away with some guys feeling even better about it because I was trying to poke holes in their argument. And I was like, well, this guy actually is uh, pretty, uh, pretty tight. So uh, some good things come out of it, some bad things come out of it. I thought it was a uh, useful four-piece series. Check it out on pff.com. Any people out there listening and interested. So Josh and I kind of have our top three of the running backs, running uh, QBs, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. So I was thinking, I don't know how you want to do this, Josh, but maybe we read out ours and then we can ask Ian what he thinks and which one he likes better, which list he likes better, if that if that makes any sense. The way I thought of it was if we're having a fantasy expert come on the show, we got to get his thoughts on our top three of each position and say, you know is this awful or is this okay? You know, and, and please voice your opinion. You know, if my list, cause I, I wanted to throw some curveballs in there. I don't want to, you know, you know, put like the same top three as Alex. And I think we, we do, we're able to have a nice mix up here. So Alex, you want to start out with your top three quarterbacks? Yeah. So for me, I have Kyler Murray as my top. I don't know about, I'm sure it's Pat Mahomes at the end of the day. But for me, I like, I don't know what it is. 
um, a lot of these are just kind of feeling base um, in how many, like, because Kyler Murray just has so much potential in the run, you know, in touchdowns, running for touchdowns. Whereas I feel like Pat Mahomes, yes, he does. But I think Kyler Murray in the red zone just gets so many touchdowns because it's either he's running the ball into the end zone or he's throwing it. Um, that's just kind of the way whenever I watch Cardinals games, that's kind of how I see it going. And as a Kenyon Drake owner from last year, it hurt my feelings very badly um, at how many times Kyler Murray just decided to take it in himself instead of giving it to Kenyon Drake. Or uh, So I'm, I'm still upset about that. We're not going to talk about it. But I remember uh, your feud with Kenyon Drake. With Kenyon oh, Drake Kenyon Drake is the worst. Um, and so <laughs> number two, I have Pat Mahomes, and three, I have Josh Allen. And I have, I, I guess I'll run through mine, and then we'll get your thoughts. I have Pat Mahomes at one, like Alex said, the, the obvious pick. Uh, Murray at two and then Allen at three, which by the way, Alex, I'm surprised because you love, and I mean like very much adore Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback. So I'm surprised you didn't have him in the top three because all you talk about is how good Aaron Rodgers is and MVP from last season, but not in your top but, three. But this is fantasy football. I was going to say, I was going to say that, but it's still fan. It's fantasy football, but that doesn't mean, I mean the connection with him and Adams, both of them getting amazing yeah. amount of points per game. I don't know. I just, I wasn't expecting him not being in your top three. That's all. That's all. He, he has no rushing upside. And I think at this point, you can't have any quarterback that's not has, that doesn't have rushing upside in your top three. I don't know. Ian, what do you think? That's why I faded Rodgers last year and looked looked uh, silly for doing so afterwards. But yeah, guys, you know, we could. I, I have Mahomes, Lamar, and Josh Allen. So no, they're a little bit different. But I have Kyler okay. Ford, Dak five. I think those are going to be your consensus big five. I think around the uh, industry. So I, you know, unless you guys are feeling really quirky uh, with some of these running back mm-hmm. wide receiver tight end top threes, I don't anticipate them being all that much different. I think uh, it's similar to like the NFL draft, even if, uh, you know, no one's making a perfect round one mock draft or anything, but we focus so much more on the top 32 players or so that it does end up being pretty sharp, at least relative to the rest of the draft rounds, two through seven. That's where things start to, you see surprises, you see big, you know, perceived reaches or perceived falls and this or that because that's a part of the draft that people haven't spent as much time on accordingly people aren't as informed about i think it's the same thing in fantasy land like if you look at people's rankings and just compare them and the differences between you know everyone's top 12 and everyone's you know 24 through 36 ranked players at every position that would be i think where we see the real big differences there so one of my uh I had an article go up last week, just my 10 tips for fantasy drafts. And my first one was just don't get cute early because, again, a lot of these ADPs have been exhausted. Like, everyone has been studying these top guys. So, at the top, in your first couple rounds of your fantasy draft, like, don't reach so much because we can expect the players to go off the board in a pretty similar manner in which their ADP suggests. I'm not saying you can't take Kyler over Mahomes, but like, don't be taking someone 18 spots down in your pick because that's your guy when you could probably get someone else and still get your guy in the next round. So uh, just, you know, we'll keep in mind with this, you know, we're okay. If you have Kyler two or three and I have him four or five, like it's not, that big of a deal with it i would just say you know wait until some of the later rounds before you go out and get your guy because it's, it's amazing like i've had uh for example like deontay johnson is my wide receiver 16 now i've had him as high as like 13 throughout this offseason so i would be in best ball drafts like in round five and the best wide my best wide receiver on the board is deontay johnson but i'm looking at it and the public has like eight wide receivers they think are better than him so yeah i'll take someone else first because i know deontay still going to be there uh, in the next round. So again, I'm, I'm hoping our uh, top three for the other positions aren't too different. If they are, maybe we need to talk about it. Uh, I would just <laughs> say, you know, like even if, you know, if you want to take your wide receiver four over the perceived wide receiver three, like that's fine. Just try not to make a habit in the early rounds of taking these big reaches because we can lose a draft in the early rounds. It's a little bit harder to necessarily just uh, crush it because again, um, you know, we're all drafting studs at this point. So I think there's a lot less uh, bad ways to go if you don't force it like uh, some people might. Yeah. yeah for oh, go ahead, I was Alex. just going to say, sorry, I was just going to say for our running backs, we have kind of a different thing going on there. But for wide receivers and tight ends, we have the same players, just mo- some in a little bit of a different order. So I think the running backs is interesting. I don't, I, I think Josh's running back list makes no sense to me. Um, I'm, I'm just going to say, I'll read it out loud. You have Dalvin Cook as number one, then Christian McCaffrey, and then Derrick Henry. And I was wondering, where's Alvin Kamara? 
Um, and I was very confused there. Um, would you like to explain yourself, Josh? Because Derrick Henry has no passing upside. It was the Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey can flip either way. I wanted to sound original and not like everyone else. So that's why I just put Dalvin Cook at one. Also, thank you, Dalvin Cook, because he was on my fantasy team last season. So a little bit of bias there. He delivered me a ton of points. Now, if I really was going to go back, I would say CMC is number one. Although I guess the, you know, I kind of factored the injury and Mike Davis stepping in a little bit. I don't know if that means anything, but whatever. I'm not going to try and back that up. But anyway. Uh, Cook at one, I think there's no debating that he should be. He should be in the top two no matter what. So for him not to be in your top two, I'm sorry, Alex. I feel bad for you. Um, Christian McCaffrey at two, like I said, it could be either way. And Derrick Henry at three. Derrick Henry is the most unstoppable running back in the NFL when it comes to tackling him. Alvin Kamara, I've understood that. But Kamara, I feel like it's up and down every season where he has that amazing game, scores five touchdowns then gets maybe 60 yards in the next game or like 50 yards. So for him, that's why I feel like Henry is very steady throughout the season where Kamara, it's up and down throughout. What I look at, though, with Alvin Kamara, I think you're looking new quarterback, no Drew Brees. Um, Jameis Winston, obviously, is more of a gunslinger. I would say Alvin Kamara is still going to be very involved in this offense. I think they're going to feed him the ball a lot. And in the passing game, he just gets so many receptions along with so many touchdowns. And he obviously, you know, there is Latavius Murray, but I don't think you really have to worry about him. I really love Alvin Kamara this year. If I can get him, I'm going to be getting him if I pick that high. Um, But yeah, I really like Alvin Kamara. But Derrick Henry for me, I don't know. He's kind of a weird one. Uh, I don't know how I feel because he's had so many good seasons. And I feel like I, I, I don't want to be a fantasy doctor, but it just feels like an injury is coming. You know, I don't know. I just have a, I have a bad I mean, feeling about it. Come on, Fantasy. man. What are you saying there? You feel like an injury is coming. You're not a doctor. So don't let that be your, <laughs> you know, basis of evaluating these guys. I mean, one of the things I, I looked at, I mean, I, I get it. The 400 touch thing, but I mean, he had over 400 touches in 2019. If we include the playoffs and things went just fine. If you want to say, well, now, you know, he's got the odometer going, he's, he's really rolling up. I mean, again, I listen to doctors in these situations. Edwin Porras with uh, Fantasy Points is, in my opinion, one of the best in the business at this. And he has done studies that show, like, there's not some magical number where we should just start expecting these guys to break down. And let's pretend there is. Like, Ezekiel Elliott has an extra almost 400, almost 500 extra career college and NFL touches than Henry. So then people go, what about just the last three years? And, like, we just keep building this dick digging this deeper and deeper hole man i I just don't really think it's tough to like why is henry more injury prone than dalvin cook who's been hurt every single year christian mccaffrey just missed 13 games last year but most of people only want to penalize joe mixon and chris carson for this so there's a big difference between being injury prone and already injured if we're talking about like michael thomas then absolutely hammer him down the ranks for already being hurt just stop yourself when it's like, you know, oh, he'll he'll probably get hurt this year. That's why I'm in on Raheem Mostert. What happens when it's week 11? Raheem Mostert's still healthy, and he's already got 1,000 yards because the dude's a freaking baller in a great situation. <laughs> like, that's just the kind of spots I'm trying to look at. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I have McCaffrey, Dalvin, Kamara. I will say that Kamara, some of the notes on Kamara about his performance without Breeze are very fair. When Teddy was there two years ago, we saw Kamara be more of a borderline RB1 because there were less touchdowns on the table. Last year with Taysom, it was because less targets were on the table. Both things are possible now in this post-Breeze era. With that said, once that Michael Thomas injury happened, I just shot Kamara right back up the ranks. Maybe he should have been there all along, but specifically now that there's no Michael Thomas to get the ball to, I mean, we're looking at Kamara pushing for, you know, potentially even like 100 receptions for the first time ever. He's always finishing in the low 80s, and at least in full point per reception formats, uh, it's just too much of a cheat code. Usually over the past 10 years, one target's been worth about 2.7 carries in terms of expected fantasy points in that situation. So, you know, Kamara, McCaffrey, Eckler, these guys that just have a chance to catch 100 passes, like they don't even need 200 carries to really make their, uh, you know, fantasy um, just a potential known. So Henry, yeah, he doesn't have uh, the same sort of uh, target ceiling and he needs to continue to be an exception 
exception to the rules. So I have him fourth. It's been tempting to even move him uh, behind Zeke. I haven't gotten much of Derrick Henry at that four spot because so many people have him consistently ranked as uh, third. So I don't hate uh, fading him by a you know spot or two. But again, I mean, you know, we're arguing over one great player after another. I would just say take it easy on projecting the injuries and uh, whichever one of you was saying, you know, Dalvin over McCaffrey just to be different. If you really believe that and you have good reasons to, you know, rank them that way, then go ahead. But if you're just doing it to be different, man, you tweet that out and someone's going to ask you why. And if that's your answer, you know, all of a sudden we're not making that, uh, you know, challenging of an argument for people to kind of shit on the ranking. So I think just based on the, uh, again, that it's the receiving difference. It's the same what we were just talking about. Like the difference between McCaffrey and Dalvin receiving wise is why McCaffrey is ranked higher than him. So just, uh, you know, with all these things, make sure we're not holding one factor against one guy and then not holding it against uh, another, I guess, would be the main moral of the story here. Luckily, I will not be tweeting that out. So that's a very good thing for me. <laughs> um, I'll say that. I'll say that. I was going to say this for later, but I guess since we're, we're talking about injuries, let's go to Saquon. Um, as Giants fans who I'm sure are listening to this podcast wanting to know your thoughts on him and when to draft him, where to draft him how he ranks among running backs in now another year where he's going in as probably a player that people are like, he's going to get injured. Uh, Cause this is now going to be, um, this is going to, going to be into his third season where two season, two seasons in a row. I can't talk that he got injured. Um, so yeah. What, like, what are your thoughts on Saquon? Where would you say what round that you would draft him and how do you rank him among the top running backs in the league? I definitely take him bottom of the first. I have him 10th overall. I have him as my RB6 overall. Had him third running back, third overall for most of the offseason until we really started getting more of the, hey, like maybe week three is when he gets out there news. I would just say it's not like we've been getting reports saying, oh, like Saquon's recovery isn't going well. He had complications. He had a setback. That's never been the case. It's been Jordan Renan saying, hey, they have his best long-term interests in mind great. I would hope they do. He's, you know, he spent the freaking number two overall pick on this guy a few years ago. So until I hear a doctor say Saquon is not going to be ready to play, man, I'm just not really going to be sweating it that much. I move him down a little bit because there seems to be enough uh, smoke. You think there's some sort of fire, but again, going back to my guy, Edwin, he says there's three predictive variables for success after an ACL tear. They need to have high draft capital. It's a sign of a freaky athlete. Freaky athletes have freaky recoveries from these sort of things. Be 24 younger and number three going through a relatively non-complex injury. Now, I, I realize when he tore the ACL, there was some other thing that got torn in there. I don't fucking know. I'm not a doctor. Neither are you guys. Edwin is. He says it's not a complex injury. I'm not going to debate him on that. So uh, for me, Saquon. Injury-wise, seems to be checking all the boxes. And opportunity-wise, only Christian McCaffrey would really be projected for more overall touches and snaps, I think, than Saquon when healthy. And, you know, we can talk about the O-line and all this. If we look at PFS offensive line rankings, the Panthers' O-line ranks 30th, the Vikings' O-line ranks 27th, and Saquon's is dead last. So that's not ideal, but we're not holding it against those guys. Don't hold it against Saquon. As bad as week one was last year, and that's like your worst scenario Saquon game. He got 15 carries for six yards. He still finished as the PPR RB 23 that week because he caught six passes because they love throwing him the ball. So with Saquon, we just have one of the few remaining just workhorse talents left. And this is all before saying like if Saquon just comes back to full health, which shouldn't be assumed, but it's certainly a potential uh, outcome. He might just be a league single best running back period. So for me, Saquon is well worth the risk, man. For those few weeks there where you could even get him at the early parts of round two, absolutely fantastic to see. So I'm definitely going after Saquon because, you know, we're chasing. I know I said earlier, you don't want to mess up your first few rounds. And if, again, if there was some concern that he wasn't going to be ready for like months or something like that, then that's a problem. But you tell me we can get maybe the league's best running back, someone that would consensusly be going inside the top three. And the worst case scenario is maybe he's out two games. I'm, I'm fine taking that chance. Let's go. I want to talk about a couple players here. So there was one player that a lot of people had as a sleeper. I don't know where you had him uh, exactly in the rankings. Due to his first preseason game, some people got a little bit worried. That player is Miles Gaskin. Um, kind of, this is for me, okay? I just want to know for my fantasy leagues what's going to happen. You're going to give me the best tips here. Josh is going to cover his ears um, and where you know make sure he doesn't steal them from me. What are your thoughts on Miles Gaskin? I will Gaskin? do that intentionally, Alex. Just <laughs> you shouldn't have mentioned it. Go ahead. My 
thoughts on Gaskin were a lot higher before we found out he's the backup running back in his yeah. own offense. I mean, you know, he was someone, I think I had him RB 26 before the weekend. I just bumped him down to RB 38 or 39 now. So he's still useful. He should have the pass down role. We know he can handle the three down workload if he gets given it. But man, Malcolm Brown just doubled this dude's snaps with the first team offense. And we have Brian Flores come out and tell us, excuse me, it's going to be a three-back committee with Salvin Ahmed also there. So Gaskin, you know, was someone that I was finally ready to kind of come around on more because they didn't spend any draft capital on anyone else, and they only added Malcolm Brown. I didn't think Malcolm Brown was going to be a big player for the starting job. It turns out he is. So now we need to hashtag adjust the ranks and move forward. So Gaskin is, you know, it's fine. If if he slips far enough where he becomes a value, that's okay. Like Kenny Galladay is someone I wasn't drafting as a wide receiver 20. Now I'm getting a lot of them as he's slipping into the 30. So we never hate players. We hate ADPs. Uh, Gaskin was someone that I was starting to get around on. I Him and Mike Davis, they're, all those guys right there in that RB dead zone, kind of like that RB 18 to 25 range. There's just a lot of uncertainty going on. If you can avoid them for really high-end wide receivers, uh, I think you'd be better off going that route. If you're playing a bunch of uh, underdog best ball like I have, you know we've seen over the past couple of weeks as the public has gotten sharper and sharper in the ADPs especially. Like It's been a lot harder to uh, construct some of these high upside drafts, but I think a lot of people's home leagues, uh, everyone's still so obsessed with getting a bunch of running backs early. And my favorite strategy has been, I think the right name is Anchor RB. For a while, people were saying this modified zero RB nonsense. But if it's modified, then it's not the fucking thing to begin with. So, uh, But I would say, you know, I love to get, I just, I, I cut it off basically at Clyde edwards Hilaire. I'm fine going, if you want to get three RBs in the first three rounds, that's fine. Just make sure they're three dope RBs. I'm not taking, you know, uh, Javante Williams or ETN or, you know, Miles Gaston or someone like that just to fill up my RB spots. If you have six wide receivers in the top seven rounds, that's okay. Take the best players, let the draft come to you, pick the best value, the best player uh, available as they come. You want to go Alex or you want, you want to do the over-unders now? You let me know. Um, just before we do that, I kind of last year, I made, I drafted Devonte Adams in the main league that I was doing. You know, it didn't go super well because after that I had Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake as my two main running backs. Obviously, they didn't do so hot. So this year I'm trying to aim to get a running back in this first round <laughs> uh, because I, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that uh, this is going to happen again. I was just running through running backs uh, on the waiver wire and, you know, that's just never really a good solution unless it was James Robinson uh, last season. But do you – so if I were to draft – two running backs in the first three rounds. I think that that, that would be a good idea. Yeah, it's fine. And uh, I mentioned that 10 tips article I had. And one of them was basically yeah. I, there's 14 running backs I'm comfortable with. And I was, I was listening real quick. McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, Henry, Zeke, Saquon, Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, Antonio Gibson, Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That's where I draw the line. I'm not saying Carson, Montgomery, Henderson, Etienne, Dobbins, like, some of those guys are obviously going to outperform where I think they're going to perform and they're going to be fine, but I'm not willing to use like a top three round pick to find out. That's the point where, you know, give me my RB 18 or my wide receiver 12. I'm taking the wide receiver every single time. So I think those top 14 guys, they, well, some of them, you know, Gibson, Chubb, Taylor, they might not have their pass down role. It's not like they're all three down workhorses, but to me, there's a lot fewer questions uh, overall just about their potential role. And again, if you want to get those guys, your top two, even your top three rounds, that's fine. Don't go into a draft saying I'm going to be this. Uh, I, this That's the big problem I see people doing because everyone loves talking these days about going zero RB or just, you know, taking your one guy and then seeing how many wide receivers you can take. And Hey, if that's the way the draft works out, that's fine. But if Tyree kill is there in round three, for some dumb reason, you told yourself you're going to draft three running backs. Like, no, don't pass on that guy. So, uh, you know, it's not, there's not a sexy name for it, but I think the best draft strategy is again, taking the best value, the best player uh, available, depending on the round and then just seeing where things kind of take you. So uh, starting off with two is fine. I would just say if you start off with uh, two or three, like just heavy running backs early, just note that, okay, now you don't need your RB4, your RB5 until way, way, way later. So just keep that part in mind, I would say, where, you know, you don't necessarily, particularly in some of these 
three wide receiver leagues. And if it's full point, then you can just flex uh, a bunch of the receivers as well. If you're not playing in a traditional standard league, I just think running backs don't have uh, the same sort of upsides they maybe did in past years. In the year 2000, there were 19 running backs with at least 300 touches. Last year, there were four. So it's just, there's a pretty big drop off eventually. And the more of those guys you can get that don't have to worry about the touch limit, the better. I just want to let you know that Alex isn't here to record the podcast anymore. He's just asking you personally for advice <laughs> that directs to yeah. him in the leagues. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully this will help other people with, you know, people who did um, Alex, you asked a very direct question of how, when you last year drafted running backs heavy, but I'm sure <laughs> many people have drafted running backs heavy last season. So this will definitely help them. Uh, I want to go to some, some over unders for, for some giants players to kind of tie it in. And this relates to fantasy because obviously these over-unders, if they go over, they will get you a lot of fantasy points. And I want to start out with Saquon. 2018 and 2019, Saquon Barkley went over the 1,000 rushing yard mark. 2019 was just barely. It was with that 1,003, excuse me, 1,003 yards, I think, uh, exactly. Will Saquon Barkley, over-under, Saquon Barkley, 1,000 rushing yards this season, bounce back from the uh, ACL tear. Yeah, way the hell over. I mean, he went for over 1,000 in 2019 and essentially, what, 12 games or whatever, and he came back from a – they were saying he was going to be out like two months with that high ankle sprain. The dude was back like three weeks later. So, Saquon, I could be um, – the, the fact that like what what, what Roy Jones do, like some some of y'all must have forgot. I mean Saquon is just so he's been such a freak of nature the whole way, and the fact people want to doubt this kid who's only twenty four still is absolutely ridiculous. Give me that over. If Saquon gets two thousand total yards, it's not going to surprise me. So yes, give me the over on a thousand <laughs> yards. Throwing it over to Daniel Jones, Alex and I have, I would say, different opinions where. I'm more of a hater of DJ and Alex is more of a, you know, I trust the process. I guess Alex is very much a trust the process because he can whip it out right now. He's got the DJ Jersey. I can't, I can't do that. I can't buy a Daniel Jones Jersey just yet. He's got to prove it this year with all the weapons. Now in his uh, first season in the NFL, he had over 24 touchdowns, but now in this new Joe judge system, it looks like they're more run heavy and you know, Jones obviously battled an injury. His stat line just doesn't look good. 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Uh, you know, one more interception, it would have been tied. And it really looks like when they were in the red zone, uh, offensive coordinator Jason Garrett wanted to hand the ball off no matter what. And that's why DJ does not have a lot of touchdowns uh, on his resume here, or on his stat line. So my question for you is over under Daniel Jones, 20 touchdowns with all these weapons getting added on. Because he did do or did have 24 touchdowns without the star Odell Beckham on the team. Yeah, I think he'll get over. He better, man. I don't know how he was so bad last year. I mean, Dak Prescott scored more touchdowns than Daniel Jones last year in about eight or nine fewer games. So that just tells you all you need to know about that situation. With Daniel Jones, like, the thing is, one of the bets I lost a lot of money on on the draft was, like I said, Devontae Smith under his spot because I didn't believe the Giants would want a wide receiver. Now the Eagles traded up to get him. I just, you know, nothing I can do there. But I, I was thinking, you know, hey, maybe Gentleman seems like the type of guy that would not be, you know, willing to put his neck out there for a 170-pound uh, wide receiver. Unfortunately, I was proven, uh, you know, wrong on Devontae. But then they come back and they get Kadarius Tony. They signed Kenny Galladay. They get John Ross in there too. Like, I didn't look at – I do a team needs piece every single February after the year. I look at the roster, who's leaving, you know, where they have money allocated just to try to see where teams should be going. And never once was I like, oh, the Giants are just one receiver away from, like, being this juggernaut or anything. I like Galladay. Kadarius Tony is explosive as hell with the ball in his hands. I know the, uh, you know, training camp and stuff isn't starting off too hot for him, but I don't think he's a bad prospect by uh, any stretch. It's just like – Watch those games last year. I don't think there were all these instances of Slayton, Shepard, and uh, you know Ingram. Like they didn't have the best years at all. But this offensive line has always been the freaking thorn in the side of Daniel Jones and this team. Daniel Jones actually grades out pretty well with PFF when you look at him in a clean pocket or throwing downfield. Like the guy isn't you know incapable. The problem is. You know, when things go south and he gets under pressure, it becomes a problem awfully quick. And the Giants, unfortunately, I don't th think that enough to fix that 
uh, in a meaningful way ahead of 2021. So I see Jones improving. It's hard to score 12 touchdowns in 14 games like he did last year. So I think he'll be better that way. It is concerning though, because the only real reason why he was even a streamer at QB was because of his rushing uh, for a little bit. I mean, when he had that hamstring injury at the end of the year, it really just tanked him and the entire offense. So the fact that they really couldn't figure out anything in the passing game last year, you know, it's, it's great. They added Galladay. It's great. They added Tony. I wish that they had helped the offensive line. I wish Jason freaking Garrett wasn't the person tasked with putting this whole thing together. So I'll take the over on 20. I don't think it'll be much over. And I don't think it's really worth uh, finding out in fantasy land anyway. Like, go take Zach Wilson instead. Go take, uh, hell, I'd take Sam Darnold over Daniel Jones at this point. Hey, maybe he'll come back to it. But I just I just think, uh, you look at 2019, a lot of those spike performances he had, I think also went hand-in-hand with a pretty uh, rough Giants defense. And now looking at it, and for them to, you know, pair up, James Bradbury with a Dory Jackson, you know, some of the guys they have in the front seven, this defense could again be low key, like pretty damn good. So I don't think we're necessarily going to see like shootout gunslinger, Daniel Jones, like trying to put up 40 points a game. I don't know if he could uh, to begin with, if that's what he was asked to do. Uh, it's just a situation where this offense as a whole, other than Saquon, uh, I'm just not too revved up to get really anyone involved. What I would say for Daniel Jones is that the offensive line has just been a problem for so long. And this year, arguably, it's worse than it was last year. Uh, if you look at the names, obviously, the offensive line's all about a unit, right? Um, so some of those rookies who were on there last year are getting better. Some of the younger guys are getting better. But uh, we lost Kevin Zeitler, probably one of the better offensive linemen, or was the best offensive lineman on our team. Doesn't look exactly great for us uh, on the offensive line. So I think that could definitely hamper DJ's production. Um, but the final fantasy one or the final over under we have for the Giants here, Kenny Galladay over under 900 yards receiving. This is tough because he had 1100 yards uh, around 1100 yards, two years in a row in Detroit, uh, not last year, but the two years before that. Can he replicate that production with the Giants? Obviously, they have a lot more receiving threats. You know, we have Slayton, we have Shepard, we have Ingram uh, than the Lions did at that point. Um, but he's still the main guy. Do you think he can get over or uh, 900 yards? Yeah, 917 games. Again, I don't want to just assume injuries. I know his hamstring is bothering yeah. him, but to my knowledge, it's not something that's necessarily like in threat of keeping him out uh, in week one. Going from Stafford to Jones is a downgrade, but I just think 900 is very doable for him as the clear-cut number one guy. You mentioned Slayton stuff. You, you don't pay Kenny Galladay $72 million over four years to continue to feature uh, Darius Slayton. Slayton's fine. I, I'm not even trying to hate him, the guy. I think he's a good field stretcher, but like just follow the money. Like Kenny Galladay is the number one receiver in New York. Last year, man, it was really incredible what he was able to do. Even his first two games, he was found the end zone. Next two games, got over 100 yards. Then he got hurt and missed the rest of the season. So Kenny was someone that, you know, I think it's similar to like Joe Mixon where – we have these guys that burn us last year just because they got hurt, though. Like, don't let yesterday's injury, like, influence tomorrow's fantasy draft. So, Galladay is still the number one receiver in offense. That's not quite as good. But at this point, he's almost getting into, like, Stefan Diggs territory from last year where we have a proven alpha number one receiver available as like a middling wide receiver three in fantasy land. So I, I think I mentioned this in passing before, but I was out on Galladay as like this top 20 wide receiver. But as people just keep pushing him further and further down the boards, like when you can get Galladay as your fourth or even fifth receiver, sometimes in these underdog drafts, that's a great day to be great right there, in my opinion. So with uh, Galladay, yeah, it's not the most ideal situation. We're still looking at a wide receiver projected for 120 plus targets. And I think Galladay has shown enough, you know, just being an alpha in his own right, that he should be able to make do with that. So give me the over on 900. I've been talking a lot of shit about the Giants, but I'm taking the uh, over on all your guys' uh, yeah. stats here. So maybe uh, maybe I should look in the mirror a little bit and uh, adjust the ranks, as they said. I was about to say that. I was about to say that. Um, I'll take I'll take the positivity. I mean, anything we can get to uh, help <laughs> this Giants season go well. And, and yeah, make the playoffs, win the Super Bowl, whatever it is. But uh, Ian... We thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. We really appreciate it. You can go follow him on Twitter at iHeartits. And also, go check out the PFF Fantasy Podcast um, on all the – it's on everything, right? I'm sure PFF you know, puts that everywhere. Yes, sir. Check it uh, out. Yeah, check it out. PFF Fantasy uh, – PFF, I can't talk. PFF Fantasy Football Podcast with Ian Harditz. Go check it out. 
on all podcast platforms. Really appreciate you listening to us. Go follow us on Twitter at the Giant Take Pod. Alex is at a Norian twenty three. I'm at Joshua twenty nine. Subscribe to the Giant Take Podcast wherever you are listening, and we will see you for another episode next week. Welcome to the All Eighties Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason, and this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.